Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is brought to you by ROI Online. Most business leaders struggle with how to transition from traditional marketing into modern marketing. ROI has a team of experts that makes it easy. They help you make a plan and then do most of the work and set you up for success. ROI can guide you to success at ROIOnline.com. This episode is also sponsored by Amarillo National Bank. Founded in 1892, A&B is now in its fifth generation of family ownership. This makes it the largest 100% family-owned bank in the United States, and it's located right here in Amarillo. Amarillo National Bank, here to stay. So today's guest is John Petty. Way back in October when I launched this podcast, John was one of the guests I already had on my list of like my first 10 interviews. Now, we had some difficulty getting scheduled back then, uh, but I'm really glad to be able to connect with him finally for this episode. Back in the 1990s, when John was about 20 years into a career in engineering, he left that secure, steady job at Owens Corning to open Amarillo's first bagel restaurant. John and his family own and operate the Bagel Place. It's located on Bell Street, and it's become a fixture in the local breakfast and lunch scene. Now, I love career change stories, and John's is a pretty dramatic one. Um, Just for full disclosure, though, I should reveal that he and I are marginally related to each other by marriage. His wife, Mary, is my father-in-law's cousin. So, just so you know, here's John Petty of The Bagel Place. John Petty, welcome to Hey Amarillo. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jason. I, I want to talk about Bagel Place. I want to talk about sort of the process of starting that and, and what you're still doing. But I'd like to go back even further and just kind of talk about how you ended up here in Amarillo from the beginning. Well, I, um, I went to a school in Panhandle and uh, started uh, college at Amarillo College and finished at WT. And uh, my second year of college, I moved here uh, with, a, with a guy from Groom and we roomed together till uh, he married. And uh, anyway, I married a short time after that and uh, been here ever since. What did you study in college? Well, I, I studied several things. I started out as math. I stayed in math a year. And then I went to uh, systems computers and I was in that one semester. And then I ended up in uh, business. And that's when I decided that's the way I wanted to go. And so after you graduated, what did you end up doing? Well, uh, I actually married before I graduated, and I was out of school for a year, and I went back and finished my last year after I was married, and it was probably a good thing. I, I did much better, settled down a little bit, and uh, I, was at, uh, I was at Bell Helicopter at the time that I, that I graduated and uh, moved into uh, government estimating, and I was in estimating for a number of years with Bell Helicopter and then went into engineering. And they fortunately paid for a good part of my schooling for the engineering section of my career with Bell. From Bell, I went to... Uh, that was the, the first iteration, I guess, of Bell Helicopter in Amarillo right, right. before not the, they not left the and they came one. back. That was yeah. the old one. And uh, from Bell, I went to Owens Corning uh, in the same role as engineer. And I was with uh, Owens almost 11 years before we opened the business. Okay. What kind of engineering uh, do you do? I mean, I know there's a, a lot of types of engineering. I mean, what does it specifically right. look like if you're working at Owens Corning? Uh, industrial engineering is what I uh, went into at Bell, and I actually went into more of a manufacturing engineering role with Owens Corning. I actually enjoyed that better than the industrial. Manufacturing was problem solving and, and uh, working more with the people, and that's what I enjoyed. And in the context of a fiberglass plant, I mean, are you working with the machinery there? or? 
Uh, what, I, what are you doing? Well, actually, uh, more of the process and the machinery and uh, ways to uh, cut costs. And that's more on the industrial engineering side. And I uh, ended up working with a lot of the people on various ideas that they had. That's how, uh, when I left Owens Corning, that's what I was working more with people than, than the uh, process itself. I, w- I want to look, or at least give listeners an idea of the timeline. Um, so uh, when did you graduate from college? Around what time was uh, that? It was around 74. Okay, and you spent how long with Bell Helicopter? I was with Bell 10 years. 10 years, and then about another 10 years with Owens Corning? Almost or? 11 years. 11 years, Corning. okay. Yes. And so 20 years, you know, in an industrial setting, 20 mm-hmm. years doing mm-hmm. engineering work, and then you start something new. So tell me right. tell me about that process. Well, uh, I had always wanted my own business. And uh, one spring, my wife and I went to uh, Colorado Springs. We were going whitewater rafting with a brother-in-law and sister-in-law for me uh, in Colorado Springs. And uh, we had stopped by a bagel shop before we went rafting, and uh, the, the bagels were just really good. I'd eaten bagels in uh, different areas, especially in New York, and I really didn't care much for them. But these bagels in Colorado Springs were just re- and I'm a bread eater, and these were really good, really enjoyed them. So we, we did our thing in Colorado Springs, and coming back, I just kept thinking about it, and I ended up buying a book in Colorado Springs before we came back uh, about bagels, and I read it on the way back to Amarillo. And I decided on the way back, I thought, this just might work in Amarillo, this, this bagel business. And so bagels were sort of a foreign food for oh, people in, in Amarillo. Amarillo yeah, you know, a- absolutely. The, a lot of people didn't know what bagels were. Like but, chewy donuts, uh, different yeah, kind of yeah, donut or something. Yeah, a little tougher bread. I decided that I wanted to take a risk and try that I I wasn't sure. So for a year, my wife and I went to every bagel shop within 300 miles of Amarillo, Albuquerque, uh, Oklahoma City, Dallas, back to Colorado Springs. We would talk to anybody that would talk to us about the bagel business. And during that process, during that year, we decided that's what we wanted to try to do. And uh, I guess I was a little more of a risk taker than my wife. It scared her to death because uh, we were going to have to quit our jobs. So what we decided to do, once we uh, decided that we would open the business, we decided Mary would quit her job first and get the business going. What was she doing at the time? She was a teacher. She had been teaching for uh, almost 20 years. And um, in the process of determining how to do this, we we ended up contracting with a uh, gentleman uh, in uh, Arlington, Texas. We we almost went with with a group out of uh, Albuquerque. But the uh, gentleman, Arlington, he, he uh, most of the bagel shop owners at that time were Jewish, and most of them were kosher. And this one in Arlington, he said, if people like it, I'll make it and I'll sell it. And I really liked his bagels. They were very much like the ones in Colorado Springs. So we contracted with him to buy his recipes and learn the business, which we did for several weeks. We were still working at our jobs at that time. From there, we started scouting out locations and putting together a business plan. I actually worked on the business plan for about six months. And uh, we pretty much knew what exactly we wanted to do by the time we opened the doors. So anyway, that's, that's how we got started. So Mary quit first, and within six weeks, I left my job and uh, followed her into the business. What did your coworkers say when you said, I'm, I'm going to quit my engineering job and open a bagel restaurant. <laughs> Most of them didn't give us a chance. We uh, understood that there were some bets that we wouldn't last a year and, and, and so forth. But 
Fortunately, I didn't hear that. I didn't want to hear the negative side. And it was very, very difficult, hard work. We put in very long hours, but it was ours. We, we didn't have anybody uh, telling us what to do. So if we made it, it was because of us. And if we failed, it was because of us. It was up to us to make sure it worked. I'm interested in the mindset aspect of it, because a lot of people say you're working for Bell Helicopter, you're working for Owens Corning, you've got a secure job with mm -hmm. a big company, kind of job that people can do for years and years and retire. And you're, you're stepping away, not just from all of that safety net, but from the same type of work you've done for 20 years. Right. Everything is brand new. I mean, how did you get past the, the voice that said this is... <laughs> Way too different. This is not well, going to work. I mean, how uh, did you convince yourself? To me, there's a lot. There's things much more important than than money and and security. I I had a desire. I had a drive to do this to work for myself. Uh, my wife is a little more hesitant. She she was really concerned, but I couldn't have done it without my wife, uh, Mary. Uh, she was more of the the uh, recipe side of how to do it, what to do. I was more of the business side. So it was a good mix. We, we worked very well together. It was frightening. Uh, there were times when we weren't sure we were going to make it, but uh, we just started working 70 hours instead of 60, and uh, uh, we got through it. The first few years were, were difficult. And you read about new businesses, and they all tell you the same thing. Most businesses start with not enough capital. They don't have enough money get through the hard times. Boy, those books were true. We, we were almost there, but uh, things worked out and we kept building the business and uh, we finally moved to where we're at now and, it, and it's doing well. What, what year did Bagel Place open? Uh, 1994, okay. September 29th. And the original location was not on Bell Street, correct? No, it, uh, uh, there was a uh, wiener stencil at Olson and Western and there was a building next door to that, and the building was in horrible shape, but we could not find what I felt was a good location. We ended up going into that building. I, I doubt that it even had 1,500 square feet. Cold in the winter and hot in the summer, but, uh, but it worked. And uh, the lease was relatively low at the time. So uh, we, we opened up there uh, September 29th of 94, and we were there almost a full 10 years before we moved into the building that we're at now. Tell me about the Amarillo population sort of discovering Bagel Place. I mean, it, it's like you said, it, it wasn't a very common type of food around here. Right. We don't have a huge Jewish population here. How did you introduce the concept? When we opened, we didn't have a lot of money for advertising. So every morning, uh, I would take a dozen bagels to any radio station that would let me in the door and a couple of TV stations. It was free. They, of course, we, we weren't getting anything out of it. And finally, a couple of radio, radio stations mentioned our name at no cost other than the fact that we were taking them bagels. Uh, we had been open, I believe, three months when uh, the Globe News came in and did an article on us. And it was a full-page article on the front of the women's section at the time about the bagel shop. And once they did that, it really helped. It, we took off. It, it gave us a shot in the arm that we desperately needed. And uh, we continued growing from there. But uh, we, we had to educate a lot of people about bagels. People come in not knowing anything about the process, anything about the bread. So, uh, and then you had people come in from the east or west coast, totally familiar with it. So that helped. But uh, it was a, somewhat of an education process for Amarillo. It's hard to believe that now that people back then didn't know what bagels were. But in 1994, a lot of people were totally unaware of bagels. 
people in Amarillo like to talk about how loyal the community is to our homegrown businesses. You know, there are big stories about when Krispy Kreme came in, only lasted a few months because everybody mm-hmm. loved Donut Stop. But you had a similar story, uh, you know, with you guys having a local bagel business and national chain tried to come in and it didn't really work for them either. Well, uh, we were extremely fortunate that they came in because uh, uh, it, it frightened us, of course. I mean, you've got a, a big franchise with a lot of money behind them. We were concerned that we would lose a lot of business to this new bagel shop. They what what up, was the name of the... I, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was New York Bagels. Okay. And they opened uh, out on Sansi and also on Georgia. They did a lot of advertising, and this is why I say it was so beneficial for us. A lot of people thought it, thought it was us advertising. So they would come into our shop, and so we would honor the advertisement of New York Bagels. The first two weeks they were open, our business dropped down 10 or 15%, but then it came right back, and we actually got busier. So they were, they were good for us, and I never would have thought that before they opened. How long did they stick around? I think they were open a little over a year. And that was another thing. When they, when they closed, we got even busier. So people that were going to them began to come to us. In all aspects, uh, that bagel shop really helped us out. And, and, and it's, it's hard to believe. You, you think competition is going to be bad for you, but I think in a lot of businesses, competition spurs you to improve yourself, to do better, and it increases your business if you do it right. What's something that you've learned in the process of opening your own business, of owning your own business? You know, you always wanted to work for yourself. What, what has been some of the biggest things that you've learned from that? You're always going to have ups and downs. You just have to learn to weather the ups and downs and be prepared for them as much as you can. Of course, we've been in business. We're in our 24th year now. So I can, I've got 24 years of records. And I can go back and see on this particular week, we were slow. And on this, and it's strange. Every year, it's almost the same thing. In other words, January is one of our slowest months of the year. When it first happened, I thought, oh, no, our business is crashing. We're going to go out. And then the next year, it did the same. And then I began to learn that January is just a slow month. And February the 14th, Valentine's Day, it pits right back up. Every year, it does the same thing. We have been uh, fortunate again in that since the crash in 07, 08, that has actually helped us. Oddly enough, you would have thought it would have hurt but we have gotten busier every year since 08. And this last year, 2017, we were just barely above 2016, but I, I know the economic climate was in Amarillo was a little slower. So I feel, uh, I feel like we did quite well just doing just slightly better than we did the previous year. And you've expanded a lot over the years too in terms of the menu, the, Absolutely. the space. Uh, new products, we're always trying new things. As a matter of fact, we're testing out something, and I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to make a lot of difference as far as taste, but right now we're trying uh, cage-free eggs, cage-free chicken. And the, these are eggs that have no hormones added to them, which I, I'm highly for. Uh, there are so many hormones in our food products now. I'm looking for things that get away from that process. So we're trying. They're a little more expensive, but it's just a better, better product, better egg. And we use a lot of eggs in our business. Tell me about your previous work. Um, in a more industrial setting, you're dealing with coworkers every day. You're working with management. You know, it's 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 fairly enclosed. You move into a restaurant. You're working with the public all day. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a much more public face. Talk to me about the transition or the difference from that between just working with the same set of people every day and now, you know, people from all over Amarillo. Uh, you're you're going to interact with on a daily basis. Oh well, uh, that's part I love about the business. Uh, we have met so many people 
not just Amarillo, but from all over the United States. It's just fascinating, some of the, some of the people we have met and the business they're in and, and their stories as well. Uh, it seems like when you have a, a family-owned business, which we do, a lot of people open up to you and tell you how they got started and what they do. And I, that, that's, that's interesting. That, that, to me, is one of the very uh, good things about our business. We're always meeting new people and, and different stories. And it's just fun to see how people develop their businesses and, and, and the successes they have. You mentioned family-owned business. Um, you know, you're at a point right now where you and Mary started the business, but it's, it's sort of transitioned in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to the second generation right. of your family. So tell me about that process. Well, uh, of course, Mary and I were totally responsible for the business when we opened. And my son, uh, Brian, he, he started with us when we first opened. He was, uh, we taught him to be one of our mixers. How old was he at that time? He would have been in his early 20s. Okay. Probably around 20, 21 at the time. He was in college. Uh, since that time, my, my uh, oldest daughter has also joined us. Fortunately, we're, 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 looks like we're going to pass the business on down to, to our children. And how long they run it, I don't know. But they enjoy the business as well. It's, it's hard work, but it's ours. And, and, and we can do with it, and grow it, or, or, or keep it the same, which we've decided to do. We, we all work well together. My son and my wife and I and my daughter, it's, uh, we, we have the same type of personality. Maybe. I don't know. How involved are you at this point you know, in the day-to-day operations? Uh, actually, I've pretty much turned that over to my son and, and my daughter. They handle most of the day-to-day, but any major decision, we all get together and, and make those decisions among us all. Uh, I have cut down. I'm, I only work on an average, 30 hours a week now, 30, 35. It used to be quite a bit more. They have taken over the majority of the uh, day-to-day decision-making process. Is that hard to hand over, I guess, that feeling of ownership where you're making the decisions, where it's a, <laughs> a business you built? You know, parents and children, they're, they're always going to butt heads a little bit. There's, there's an element of trust. There's also an element of Kids don't know that parents are going to make the right decisions. The parents don't always know that the kids are going to make the right decisions. I mean, how do you navigate all that stuff as a family? Brian and Tanya have done an excellent job in, in taking over in the, uh, the decision-making and running the business. The difficult part is us being my wife and I uh, letting go. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to tell them, hey, you need to do this, and you need to do that. And this is how we've things, done it for 20 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't do anything yeah. new. And, and us being older, it's, it's sometimes a little hard for change. But they have brought in a lot of new changes, and uh, most of them very positive. And we're still making changes. Uh, in fact, the, the cage-free egg thing was Brian's idea that we needed to try that. So it, it's a good thing. Uh, you got to have changes. You can't stay stagnant and, and continue to grow. So they've done a good job on, the, on that aspect of it. The Amarillo restaurant community is is a pretty unique one. I, I feel like because of I-40, we have a whole lot of chain restaurants. Right. Uh, I feel like there's also a really good balance, though, of family-owned or homegrown restaurants. I mean, is there anything that you've learned sort of about the community <laughs> of diners or of, you know, restaurateurs or, or anything here in Amarillo that, uh, that you've figured out over the well, years? Well, uh, I believe Amarillo leans more toward the home restaurant, the, the homegrown restaurant, uh, you look at a, a lot of the franchises that have come in that are big everywhere else, they just don't make it here. Uh, you've got things, uh, barbecue, uh, Tyler's Barbecue's home, uh, Scott's Oyster Bar, these things, they're, they're just uh, people like, I, I think Emerald people like the homegrown restaurant a little more so than a 
lot of your major cities. The major cities, it's I don't think there's a lot of um, tightness with with the local people compared to, to a uh, family-owned business versus a, a franchise. Amarillo is a little different, and I think we've seen that with uh, Marie Callender's, uh, one of the big barbecue restaurants. Uh, get the name of it out on I four. These restaurants are big everywhere else, but they're not making it here. Yeah, and I think Amarillo is is, is good to look toward things that are a little different than the franchise businesses. And that's why we're seeing the success of more of the family-owned businesses in Amarillo. Do you see a lot of travelers come to your place? I mean, you're, you're about a mile away from I-40. You're not too far you know, from the thoroughfare for a lot of people. Do you end up with people who are just passing through and decide, we're going to go to this, sure. this bagel place in Amarillo? Sounds weird, but let's try it. Sure. We get calls uh, frequently of people at a restaurant or, a, excuse me, a hotel wanting to know how to get to our shop. They read about us uh, on the internet, and uh, we've, we've got a very strong rating. And so we see a lot of people, and I say a lot. Most of our customers are regulars. I'd say 50%, 60% we see, and you get to know these folks. But then we see a lot of travelers as well. And 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 some of them you get to know. We had a, a couple from England that came through four years in a row. They I, I don't know what they They would come to America and travel up and down I-40, and they always stopped in, in the bagel place and got to know them, but I haven't seen them now in three or four years, so I guess they've gotten mm-hmm. tired of, of the United States. But these kind of people that are fun to get to know. But you do see people from from uh, out, of, out of town and out of state coming through looking for us, and that's that's a good thing, another another positive aspect of the business. After you've been doing this for you know almost 25 years, tell me, tell me about the Amarillo business community as as a place where people can try something new can can take a risk and open a, a bagel restaurant or whatever they want to do. Did, did you feel like, like this was something that you could have done if you lived in Dallas or hmm. someplace else? I mean, is the success you had, is it unique to here? With what my wife and I knew, I don't think we could have made it anywhere else. Uh, maybe a town similar to Amarillo, but, and the reason I say that we were not restaurant people. And so we had to learn as we went. And when we first opened, we, we got help from uh, Village Bakery. They, they helped us some. Uh, one of our food suppliers just came in and gave us some tips and kind of gave us a lot of guidance. And these kind of things were invaluable at the time. We, we could have made a lot of uh, major mistakes without some of the guidance from people that had been in the business. I don't think you'd see that in larger towns. So we have tried to pass that along as well. If, if we see somebody that asks for our help, we are more than willing to, to give them help where we can. That helped us get through a lot of tough times that would have been a lot worse since we didn't know a lot of what we were doing. We, like I say, we were learning as we went. Well, talk to me a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm interested in business owners helping other business owners. You said the Village Bakery you know, was, was helping you as you guys got started. Right. Your food supplier was helping. It's not like you're viewed as competition and we need, we don't want this bagel bakery to succeed because they might take away from what we do. The, the community sort of has, has become a larger family with one business owner helping another business owner. Is that something yeah, that you've it, seen? Oh yes. I, and it's not to a great extent. There's another bakery that just opened in the last couple of years here in Amarillo and slight competition does, but we, we gave them a, some minor assistance. Uh, just little things like uh, El Bracero's next door. Uh, we we work with them. If they run out of something, we'll, if we have it, we, we'll let them. Uh, we'll loan that to them. They don't have any bagel dishes or anything, do they? No, but a lot of people think restaurant next to a restaurant is competition, but it's really not. Uh, we work off uh, each other, and it's. I think it's helped both of us. 
and I don't know if a franchise would do this or not, but uh, individual-owned businesses, just, I think, I think, especially Amarillo, are willing to work with each other, even though you might be a slight bit of competition. You, you want to see people succeed. If you've listened to more than a few episodes of this podcast, you know the best guests are the storytellers. They're able to just hook you in, and it comes naturally. Now, I think everybody has a good story to tell, but not all of us are natural storytellers. I mean, it's the same way in business. Marketing is a form of storytelling, but whether you own a small startup or a large company, that doesn't mean the marketing aspect comes naturally to you. That's why ROI Online exists. Based in Amarillo, ROI is a team of marketing experts just like you would expect to find in places like Dallas or Boston. They'll come alongside you and they'll help you tell the story of your business. So if you're to the point of seriously considering an upgrade to your marketing efforts, ROI could be the business growth partner that helps you become the hero in your story of success as a business leader. For the price of just one employee, you can hire an entire team of creative marketing professionals at ROI. Find them on Instagram and Facebook or let ROI guide you to success at ROIOnline.com. ROI Online, leading the modern marketing movement. This episode is also sponsored by Amarillo National Bank. So here's a fun story about getting a mortgage. When we were selling our house last fall and planning to move, I knew we would get our mortgage from A&B. That's just what we do. We'd already had a mortgage with them since 1997 or so. But before we put things in motion, I checked mortgage rates with one of those online mortgage clearinghouse places. And that was a big mistake. As soon as I gave them my info, I started getting calls from all over the United States, from Delaware, New Hampshire, Nebraska. I got multiple calls a day. I should have known. The rate we got at A&B was just as good as any of those that they were offering. Our loan officer, Tracy, was not ridiculously annoying. She was great. She answered our questions. She helped us navigate an offer that didn't go through. She was fast and professional, and like I always expect with A&B, the customer service was over the top. And that right there is why Amarillo National Bank is the largest mortgage provider in this area. I do not hesitate to recommend them. They've been around 125 years, and they're not going anywhere. Amarillo National Bank, here to stay. Okay, we're back with uh, John Petty, the, the founder with his wife, Mary, of Bagel Place. John, this is the part of the show that uh, I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. Uh, your job as my guest is to just answer those questions okay. in whatever kind of detail you want to. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll start first. You said you've traveled all over to different bagel places, bagel restaurants, right. trying to learn how to make bagels and stuff. Um, you know, When you were in that process and people said, where are you from? And you said Amarillo. What did you tell them about Amarillo? How did you describe it? Well, if they had asked, I'd have told them the thing about Amarillo is, uh, to me, the people. Uh, and I've had people from out of state saying everybody's so friendly here. And uh, people that have moved here, especially from the Northeast, say that's the thing about Amarillo. People are so friendly. And I, I think that's one of the very positive aspects of Amarillo are, is the people. If you look at the overall population of the city, it's, it's, it's a great place to bring a family up. This is a question I've not asked of anybody before, but what is your favorite flavor of bagel? <laughs> uh, right now, it's the everything, uh, which is uh, has sesame, poppy, and sunflower seeds on it. And I like to get that bagel and almost burn it and put vegetable cream cheese on it. It's uh, That's one of my favorite snacks. What's the most popular one that you sell? Well, I'd have to say the plain, but 
plain is plain. We've got so many flavors. I, I very seldom eat a plain bagel. We blueberry, strawberry, uh, snickerdoodle, and if you want something with a little bath, the jalapeno bagel, uh, cheddar cheese. There's just so many options uh, and and flavors. But uh, I usually get stuck on a flavor and stay with it for quite a while. Uh, I used to be on the jalapeno, but I switched to everything here probably within the last several months, and that's what I've been on. And then how many how many months will you give the everything bagel before you <laughs> transition to another one? Well, I'll probably always go back to it some, but uh, I've been switching over to the uh, snickerdoodle here recently once in a while. So I, I may be going over to that one. Other than your own restaurant, what's your favorite place to eat in Amarillo? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of good places here in Amarillo, and and. Believe it or not, none of them are franchise restaurants. Uh, I mentioned Tyler's Barbecue. There's a little Mexican food restaurant off of I-27 called La Capana, uh, Jorge's, uh, El Bracero next door. Uh, a lot of these, they're, they're, I guess they're all favorites, and they're all different. Even though several of them are Mexican food, they all have their different specialties. And that's, that's one of the uh, things I like about Amarillo. What does Amarillo have too much of? Road construction. <laughs> I've heard that uh, before. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I think right now we have slightly overbuilt on the little strip centers where you have little strip centers of for, for lease the stores. It appears to me that uh, the developers all had the same idea at the same time. Uh, a lot of the strip centers look nice, but I can't imagine there being that many businesses wanting to open up right away to, to fill these. I, I think in time they'll be fine, but. I think we may have uh, overbuilt a little bit on the strip centers for the time being. What does Amarillo not have enough of? Seafood restaurants. Uh, mom and pop type seafood restaurants. We we are lacking a little bit in that area. We're not a, a real seafood kind of that, place. Right. Though. Our proximity to the ocean little, may give people pause. A little distance from the coast. But uh, another thing, in fact, my wife and I were just talking about that this morning, are things to do for the middle school and high school students. Uh, we... we we lack some entertainment for, for these kids, and I wish we had more. I don't know what, uh, just minor things like a, a little uh, place, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what they call it, a playground next to United at 45th and Bell just opened up. And it's for mostly the young, young kids, but it's just things like that that uh, we need more of, options for young kids to, to be involved in. And I think there's a little bit of that coming. I, I know there's some new development in the town square area, right. bringing in a big entertainment franchise that will include movies, bowling, ropes course, all those kinds of things, you know, that, that younger kids can do. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right that it's, we're in that place where maybe the population is not quite big enough to, for these larger chains right. to come in and, and justify it, but we're getting close. But if the, if the people will support the ones that are coming in, it will encourage others to come in. Yeah, I think that's true. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? <laughs> uh, two years ago, Christmas. Were you uh, bringing visitors to town to, to show it to them, or did uh, you go on purpose? Well, that's kind of a story in itself. Uh, we always have our family Christmas, and we always try to do games. And two years ago, we had a... Uh, a my wife and I, Mary, and it's, it was her idea. We, we hid little messages around town. And we the major gift that we gave our children was at the end of these messages. So they would have to go to a particular place, find the message, see where it sent them to next. And Cadillac Ranch was on that list of messages. And uh, the final gift or the final message was, of course, at our home. 
But that's when we were at Sort of a scavenger hunt kind of thing. Scavenger, exactly. So you had to hide something at Cadillac Ranch and hope that some random stranger going down I-40 didn't find your message and spray (laughs) paint over it? It was the middle of winter and it was cold. We didn't have to worry too much about people digging in around there and finding our message. Traffic was low. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite local arts organization? Uh, Little Theater. We try to go as often as we can. We we have some tremendous talent here at Amarillo. Amarillo Little Theater is... um, able to to use that talent to for their plays and we have enjoyed so many plays through the theater and of course it doesn't hurt that we've got grandchildren invested in in the little theater so that helps us go to a lot of the kids shows too and a lot of times those are just as good as oh. as the grown-up shows <laughs> absolutely i know this is going to be a hard question because you're a, a business owner but uh, if you had to choose would you go pack a sack or toot and totem I, i'd go toot and totem again because it's local I don't have any preference either way, but Toot and Totem's local, so I'd stay with it. Okay, uh, and and John, that that concludes the eight straight. Um, so I just want to close by asking for your local Amarillo-related endorsement. What's something that you would want people to know about? Oh gosh, there's several things. Uh, we have not gotten involved yet, and, and I, I don't know that we will. But there is a new uh, pediatric hospice that has opened uh, in North Amarillo. And we are going. To, we have begun through the business some minor support to that to that hospice, things like that. From what we know of this hospice, it's it's something unique. Uh, there's one other, I believe, in Norway or Sweden, and this is a second that we're aware of that we've been told of. I would endorse that organization. What's the name of it? You know, I I knew you were going to ask me that, and I cannot tell you. Uh, it's it's at the old bed and breakfast where uh, Oprah Winfrey. Stay okay. when she was here, and I can't tell you the name of that. We have not been out there yet, but I know they need some help on some various things. Our, we have begun to support that through donations from our business through the business at this time. Do but you know how, how did we end up getting a hospice where there are only two in the world and the other one's in Norway? How is it in Amarillo? Somebody's very innovative and, and very astute to, to the needs in Amarillo. That's a that's a unique endorsement. I, I <laughs> well, appreciate knowing about it. I sure. know nothing about that, so I'll have Most to look it up. Most people don't. Okay, well, John Petty, thank you so much for being my guest on the show. You're I appreciate welcome, it. Jason. Thank you very much, sir. And that concludes this episode. Thanks to John Petty for being this week's guest. Go check out Bagel Place on Bell Street. Go to bagelplace.net or at Bagel Place on Facebook. The pediatric hospice John was just talking about is a nonprofit called Home of the Open Heart. You can uh, find more information about it at openhearthospice.com. Learn more about uh, this show by going to heyamarello.com. We'll have a new episode every Monday evening, and you can listen to it everywhere you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends. Find out more at Hey Amarillo on Twitter and Facebook. And I want to say thanks again to ROI Online and Amarillo National Bank for sponsoring the show. Thank you for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.